Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Esther, Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. You say, Preacher, where's Esther? Well, if you can find Nehemiah, you can find Esther. Just go one, one book past it. Esther chapter 4. If you would, please stand for the reign of God's Word if you're able to. Esther chapter 4. Of course, we're kind of getting into the middle of what's taking place here in the book of Esther. We we find that Ahasuerus was the king at that time. He had a man that was second in command by the, by the name of Haman, which was a wicked man. There's another person that we see come up in, in this. His name's Mordecai. He was a Jew that uh, loved the Lord, served the Lord. But he wouldn't bow to uh, Haman, the second man in control. And Haman was a wicked man. He was a vile man. He hated it. He was a prideful man. And so he devised a plan to do away with all the Jews. And I'm just going to skip over several things. And there was a queen of, of Ahasuerus's that was called Vashti, and she was, did not go in when he was having a party. He wanted to show her off, and, and uh, there was a drunken party, you might say. And, and she did right, really, by not going in, to be honest with you. But God used that in a special way, and you'll see that this morning. They removed her from being queen and they brought in several women to, for the king to find the woman that he wanted to be the next queen. And he chose a Jewish girl by the name of Esther. And so Haman set out. He didn't realize that uh, Esther was a, was a Jew, but he set out to destroy all the Jews in the kingdom. There's 127 uh, provinces, I guess you'd say, throughout that kingdom. And uh, he, it was from over around India in that area, and he wanted to destroy all the Jews, wipe them literally out, pay money to the people that would kill them. And so that was his plan. And uh, he got it in the writing of the kings, which was the, uh, sealed with the ring, uh, that the seal was uh, sealed by the, the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be broken, cannot be reversed. Even the king himself could not reverse the decree. And so we pick up here in chapter 4, Mordecai comes, Esther has not seen the decree, and Mordecai comes to the gate of the king here. It says, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, in verse 1, chapter 4, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even unto the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was a great mourning among the Jews and, the, and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, the king's chamberlain, whom he had appointed to attend upon, upon her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. Hatak, so Hatak went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. And he gave them him the copy of the written the writing of the decree that 
was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make requests before him for her people. Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's province do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come into, unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there enlarge and deliver, uh, enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return to Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink the three day, uh, neither drink, uh, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. If you look back there in verse 14, a very familiar portion of scripture, and many times preached from many times, but it says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And notice what it says, Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, It's No Accident, You're Here Right Now. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, I need your presence in this service. These people need your presence. Lord, we are of nothing ourselves. Lord, we need the hand of God to work in our hearts and lives. We ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to draw, to work, to convict, to encourage, to strengthen. And Lord, I pray that you just deal with our hearts today as Christians. But Lord, there may be someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If they were to die today, they don't know they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray that they might come. This would be a great day, Lord, for them to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Forgive us of our sins where we fail you, Lord. Help us to draw near to you. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. May you increase. May I decrease. And Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. I don't believe that God works by accident or by an afterthought. I believe that God has a purpose. I believe that God has a plan in everything that there is. And believe it or not, I believe that you're here because of his plan. And I'm not just talking about in this building. I'm not just talking about in church, but I'm talking about on this planet right now. There's a lot of people that give up many times when they get older or maybe they get uh, their life is, is wrecked with disease or something. They just kind of throw up their hands and say, I'm, uh, there's nothing I can do. 
and they feel like their life is wasted, that there's nothing there. But can I tell you something? Even at that point in life, God has a plan for your life. God has a desire to do something with you. Otherwise, can I tell you something? Grasp this and, and log it back and hang on to it for, for, until you stand before the Lord. Until God is done with you, you're going to remain here. Until God says that he's done with you. Not when you think that he's done with you, but when God says he's done with you. And he desires to use you in a plan that brings honor and glory to his name. Now, whether, whether a person gets saved or not, it's God's plan. It's his desire for them to receive Christ. He said, he said that he would that none should perish, but that all come unto repentance. And he desires for all to be saved. But, and that's part of his plan. But many times we fall out of the plan of God and do our own thing. We find here that Esther has a choice. She can, she can follow the plan of God. God had a plan for her life. Or she can sit back and do something else in her life. I believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, as the scripture says. These things don't just happen by chance or by luck. God has a plan. These were dark days for the Jews here that we read about. There has always been an attack of Satan to destroy God's people, which were the Jews in the Old Testament. You say, well, preacher, from that point on, where is it? Well, after Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, then we became the children of God also, and we're, 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 we're the part of the family of God. And, and so Satan hates the Jews, and he hates the born-again Christian. Because, you see, we represent Christ, and we are a threat to him. We are a threat to him destroying what God loves and what God created. And so Satan is continually trying to destroy the church. There's churches that are closing by the thousands every year. It's sad to say, by the thousands. And the reason is, is because Satan gets in and he begins to attack. He begins to tear down. And people don't realize that the attacks are coming from Satan. They think it's coming from one another and they begin to get in big scrabbles or whatever and the churches die and, and, and go the way of the world. They close the doors and, and it's a sad thing. Satan is out to destroy. Can I tell you, you sitting here this morning, Satan wants to destroy your life. He wants to, first of all, if you're a born-again Christian, oh, Jesus Christ, your Savior, he wants to destroy your testimony. Number two, he then wants to destroy your effectiveness and everything that he can to keep you from being a witness for Jesus Christ. But God has a plan for you. Let me say this morning that the church, as I said, has an enemy and Satan. He desires to, to wipe us off or to, uh, to wipe us out of existence. In these last days, these dark days, in the, this last dispensation in which we live, it's the Laodicean period. If you go into the book of Revelations, it's a, the last time before the Lord returns. It's a, a time of deadness in, in Christians' lives where many times Christians don't want to serve God. They think that everything's okay, but yet they're not serving God. And so we find that the Lord has a plan even now in our, in, in our lives. You see, and, and what we need to do is we need to go on and, and serve the Lord. As things begin to get worse in this day and time, there's many, many things that we can look at, whether it be uh, uh, economic problems, uh, moral problems, uh, uh, political problems, uh, uh, world uh, uh, problems, and on goes the, the list of things that will happen that can get worse and will get worse in the last days. We need to trust the plan of God. Just like Esther, God has a plan. God always has a plan. In one of the darkest hours of the Jews' history, when they could have been wiped out, God had a plan. 
We find if you go up many hundreds of years later, as the Jews, as, as Germany tried to wipe out the Jews, again, God had a plan. And God brought them through that time. During the dark hour, the, the Lord raised up a little orphan girl for the Jews during this period of time here that we see in, in Shushan, raised up a little orphan girl that was raised by her uncle. And her name was Esther. Esther means, means a, a bright light or a shining star. That is the interpretation of Esther. A bright light or a shining star. And these were dark times. You see, the darker the times, the, the more difficult the hour is, the darker the, 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 the backdrop is, the brighter the light shines. We're living day and time when it is dark times, difficult times, struggling times for many people. I'm not just talking about economically. I'm talking about morally. I'm talking about ethically. I'm talking about people going through times that, that, that we've never seen before. You know, when, when I was in school, uh, I got a whipping for flying airplanes. That's how bad the times were. I got, I got a whipping for flying paper airplane in the classroom. Now, you know, they, they have to put up sensors in the bathrooms for the vaping and and the, the marijuana and all that junk. They have to put up metal detectors in a lot of places to, from the pass-through metal detectors. You know, just, what was it, last year we had a, uh, a young child that shot a teacher with a gun. I mean, we're talking, you know, kindergarten, first grade, something like that, that shot a teacher with a gun in the chest. We're talking about uh, times that we've never seen before. We're talking about difficulties in, in facing things that we've never faced before. You know, used to you could say, well, this is a cycle that in, and it'll change. No, we've never seen some things like we've seen, we're seeing now. Just a cycle. And so we're living in some dark times. But could I tell you that even in the darkest of times, the brighter the light shines for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we'll let it shine. I'll agree with you that there's difficult times. I believe God has a plan for such a, a time as this. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 5, Verses 14 through 16, he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city <clears throat> that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and giveth, it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And he says in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What a wonderful time, I'll be honest with you, to be a Christian. What? Oh yeah, this is a wonderful time to be a Christian because we can shine brighter than we ever have before. And we can see, as people begin to see the, the difficulties of time, it can make a greater impact in their lives. There's, there's four reasons that why we, we've been brought to, into this time such as now. I believe that we're here for a reason. I believe that we're here to do the bidding of God. I believe that there's a plan that God has for you and me. I believe there's a plan that God has for this church. And I believe that we're here in such a time as this for the honor and glory of God. First of all, we're here to make a commitment. We see the commitment that Esther makes here, one that is not, it's not an easy commitment, one that's not convenient, one that may cost her absolutely everything, including her life. Look there with me in verse 16. It says, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for, yea, for me, and, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day, and I also... And my maidens will fast likewise, and so I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And then she says, and if I perish, I perish. She realizes that she could walk into the, king, into the king's courtroom there, where he is, sitting on the throne, that if he doesn't take that golden scepter and, and point it out for her to touch, 
that his guards will take her and will kill her. That was the law. That was the law of the Medes and Persians. It could not be changed. It could not be overlooked. It could not be rewritten. And so uh, she knew that if he did not want to have that con a conversation with her, it was over with. And so she realized that there was a, a potential problem. There was a potential, uh, uh, it was going to cost her, it could, co it could cost her her life. And so as she goes there, she knew that the price was going, before she ever went in, and being called there, possibly death. Look with me there in verse 10. It says, And again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai and the king's servants and the, and the people of the king's province. Do know that whosoever, whether a man or a woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death. And so he said, she said, listen, I could die because I'm going to do this. This could cost me my life. Do you want the easiest thing would have been for her? The easiest thing would have been, you know what? I'm the queen. If they kill all the Jews, they're probably going to leave me alone because I'm the queen. And I'm just not going to step into this deal because I could die. The easiest thing for her to be is to ignore it. You know what is sad today is that so many times as Christians, the easiest thing for us to do is to ignore being a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ. Uh, instead, of, instead of confronting somebody, instead of possibly upsetting somebody, instead of possibly somebody saying something about us or, or getting mad or, 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 or maybe even losing your job or whatever it is, the easiest thing is to just sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to heaven one day. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm just going to sit this one out. But what's sad, that's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're sitting it out. Just sitting it out and going along. Not everybody knows everything, uh, some things about Sean. Nobody knows everything about Sean. Here's a man that when it comes to defending our country, didn't sit it out. And it's seen more action and more problems and difficulties in fighting for this nation. Iraq, Afghanistan, Afghanistan Bosnia, Bosnia Africa. Africa, than we'll ever know. Do you want to be easy done? Do your time, get your college credits, go home, make some money, sit it out, let somebody else fight it. And there's others in his room who's done the same. Do you want? We're in the Lord's army. Amen. We got a choice to make. We can sit it out. Let somebody else fight the battle. Or we can commit to living for the Lord. And serving him. Esther was committed. She said, if I perish, I perish. We've all been called for such a time as this. We, we see so little commitment in our day in, in, in Christians' lives. Today's Christians only serve many times out of convenience and not out of commitment. And I'll tell you something, we're living a day and time that's different than any other time that, we, that, that there's been. And we need commitment to the Lord.
not just convenience. We need to be committed to God, to serve Him. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Committed to that, that the, the, the good works that the Lord wants us to do, to walk in those works. Committed to God to glorify Him. The psalmist said in Psalms 29 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There's a great need for you and I to magnify the Lord wherever we're at, whoever we're around, not being ashamed, but committed to say, listen, I'm going to glorify God. Isn't it amazing? They, these ball players they make millions and millions of dollars and it's all about them. And then the next thing you know, uh, here's, a, here's a team that, that offers them, I don't know, the, the five, 10, 15 million dollars to play. And, and next thing you know, they're saying, hey, this guy, this team over here is going to give me more. There was no commitment. It was about the money. Why are so many marriages falling apart? No commitment. No commitment. Why is it that so many kids are almost seem abandoned and some of them are abandoned and seem like they're, there's just, it, the, the, the home life is horrible. I'll tell you why, because there's no commitment to raising those kids. There's a, there's a lot of difference between having kids and raising kids. And we're needing a commitment today. You say, preacher, you're just picking on everything. Hey, listen, come back tonight. It's going to get worse. <laughs> and there's no commitment today in so many things. It's amazing. I was talking to an employer. And I'm not going to say where it's at, but I was talking to an employer down here in town. And they, 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 had a, they had a 401k, they had a, a sick days. They, I mean, they had all kinds of things for whoever would do this. And it was, it was basically manual labor and it was not something that was going to be super hard. But I mean, you know, it's going to be work. And I said, how's it going? They said, he said, you know what? He said, we had two guys come in and, and we hired, they passed a drug test. <laughs> That's a big one nowadays. He said, and... We hired him. He said, one of them didn't even show up after we hired him. And the other one worked till noon, went to lunch break, and never came back. No commitment. No commitment. But what's sadder than all that is the fact that we see so little commitment to the Lord today. Know how we ought to glorify Him and magnify Him. To, we should be committed also to, to God to witness for Him, to share the gospel to a lost world. Can I tell you something? Every single person in this room, you owe a debt you can't pay. See, what do you mean? Somebody shared Jesus Christ with you. And the only way that you can even come close to the, the, paying the debt back that the Lord saved you is to share Jesus Christ with somebody else. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You want to, uh, there ought to be, when people say, Hey, how's your life? Oh, it's good. Really? How come? I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Jesus Christ saved my soul. I know that if I was to lay down today and never get up again, I'm going to be kicking the up gold dust in heaven. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be in, I'm going to be a shouting and, and praising God around the throne of God. Amen. They're going to let me in the heavenly choir. So they won't let you sing down here. No, but they'll let me sing up there. Amen. Amen. 
The fact of it is, is that we need to be committed unto the Lord to, to tell others about Jesus Christ and, and how that they too can have what we have. Where's your commitment this morning? How committed are you to the Lord today? The next reason is that we have been called for such a time as this to offer prayer. Look at verse 16. Esther said, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink the three days, night or day. I also and my maids will fast likewise. You see, well, preacher didn't say anything about praying. Well, you've got to understand what fasting means to the Jews. Anytime there was fasting, there was prayer to God, the God of heaven. Now today, we, we, you hear a lot about fasting to lose weight. But in its originality, in Scripture, as the Jews would fast, they would commit themselves to pray during that time of fasting. They would not eat anything, and they, many times, they, it, it depended on what type of fast it was, they would not drink anything for days at a time. And they would, during that whole time, they would give themselves to prayer. Seeking the Lord. The fasting was a humbling of oneself. Was a, 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 a breaking down of, of self and what you wanted so that you could get the attention of God. A humbling of self saying, Lord, what, what I'm trying to do is get your attention. And, and what you want is more important than food or drink or anything. And I'm going to fast and ask you to do this. And so she asked them to pray. She asked them to fast and pray. She asked them to get serious about the situation. Do you know what is needed today is we need to get serious about what's going on. We need to get real serious about what's going on. Can I tell you, we got, we got young adults in here who have children. We got uh, older adults that have grandchildren. Can I tell you something? You better get real serious in this day and time about your children and where they're going to spend eternity. Because the world is trying to destroy your children and keep them from going to heaven. You better put in some hours of prayer. You better put in some time of fasting. You better get serious about your children. Not only them, about the other people in your family and maybe friends and, and neighbors and those, are, maybe a husband, maybe a wife. Hey, we ought to get real serious about and really begin to spend some time in fasting and prayer. They was serious about it. She said, I want you to get real serious about it. You see, Esther realized she needed divine intervention if she was going to live if she could get the king to do something. You know what we need today? We need divine intervention. You know, we got good, we got good people in, 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 in places. We got, we got Curtis. We got others that are good people that's in, in political places. But there's, they can only do so much. I'm going to tell you something. Y'all be praying for that man. And the others in those offices. You can say what you want to, but my friend, don't, don't get too upset with them if you don't pray for them. Preacher, that's right. It is right. It's kind of like, don't complain about who wins if you don't go vote. Hmm? Well, I, I didn't go vote because I, you know, uh, it's all crooked. Well, then crooked is your head that's sitting on your shoulders because you didn't go vote. No. We need to get serious. We need a divine intervention. Man can only do so much. And from that point, we need God. 
We need the Lord to step in and to intervene and to do a work in the hearts and lives of people and change things according to His will. You see, the enemy is strong and for us to, too strong for us to stand by ourselves. We need an unseen hand of a mighty God to intervene in the situations of life, in our lives, in the, those around us, in our homes and in our churches, in our nation and around the world. We need the hand of God. We need to fast and pray for our nation. We need to pray for our churches, our homes, and one another, and for God's divine intervention. Jeremiah 33 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said, I'm going to show you some great things. He said, but you've got to call unto me. You see, preaching's good. You say, yeah, if you've got a good preacher, well, I'll do my best. Preaching's good. Witnessing is good. Reading the Bible is good. Going to church is good. What we really need right now is some divine intervention. Divine intervention. God to come down. Come down in our churches. Come down in our homes. Come down in our state houses. Come down in our federal houses. Come down in the lives of people. We need an intervention of God. We need God's hand. Jeremiah 29 Verses, begin verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you with the Lord, thoughts of peace and, and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Verse 12, he says, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me, or you shall find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. You know what the sad part is, is that the day and time we live in, so many Christians, our, our prayer life, and when we call on God, is so light, and our, our heart's not involved, and we're not really all in for the Lord. Hey, listen, there needs to be that commitment unto the Lord. There needs to be that prayer that's committed unto the Lord to seek God's hand. We've been called also for such a time as to fulfill the divine appointment that God has for us. Look at verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, he said, it's going to come to you too. Can I tell you something? You may think that you're in a place where the problems can't reach you. That's not true. You may think that you're sitting in a place that everything's fine and, and things can't fall apart for you. That's not true. It can reach far beyond others and reach into your life. Verse 14 says, For thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time. Then shall there an enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. So he says, Otherwise, God can raise up somebody someplace else. He says, But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. He said, You'll pay a price for not serving God. He said, If you don't, it's going to cost you. See, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai said, Esther, it's no accident that you happen to be in the place as the previous queen. Can I tell you something? It's no accident that God has you where he has you. I'm going to tell you something that's even harder to swallow. There's people in this room that have health issues that's probably very hard to ever change. God has you in the place that He wants you. 
There's people in this room that are facing difficulties in other areas of their life. It's hard to understand. But in God's plan, he has you where he wants you right now. He's placed you there. For such an hour as this. So, preacher, what is that that he's wanting to do with me? I can't tell you that. But if you'll obey God, you'll see what it is. And God will do something that you never thought possible when he intervenes. He said, Esther, it's no accident you're queen. It's no accident that you happen to be a Jew in the king's palace and have favor with the king. You've been placed there by divine providence. God had a plan, a divine appointment for her life. God has a plan and a divine appointment for your life and for my life. When it comes to the plan of God, there are no accidents. There's no luck. There's no coincidences. You see, you're here by divine appointment this morning. I believe that. Well, preacher, I could have been someplace else. I realize that, but God, so be it said, you'll be here today. I'm here by divine appointment. This church is here by divine appointment to reach this area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I still remember a divine appointment in 1975 when God worked on my heart and got me to a place where he saved my soul. I look back now and I see a lot of things that God has done over those years. It was no accident. It was a divine appointment. It was the call of God that he placed me where he placed me. And I believe that is true in each of our lives. We're here at this time by divine appointment to have revival, to turn this nation back to God and snatch souls from the fires of hell. Satan would try to get you to miss that appointment and, and doom the souls to a lake of fire. But I believe that God placed you where he's placed you, the divine appointment. He has a plan that he wants you to use you right where you're at. It may be at the workplace. There's people around you that, that don't know Christ and the Lord has placed you there. And you know Christ as your Savior. He's placed you there to share the gospel with them, to reach them. It may be by just getting them in church and that old bald-headed preacher up there at the church, he'll preach and, and tell them about Jesus Christ and, and, and if they don't get saved, they're going to hell. But by divine appointment, he's placed each of us in a place to serve him, to live for him. Lastly, Esther was placed in the kingdom for such a time as that to save a people, to save a nation called the Jews. Look at verse 13. It says, Mordecai commanded, said, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He said, There's a bunch of people that's going to be destroyed. You look down, verse 14 says, But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. He said, You're there to save a lot of people. To keep them from being destroyed. Mordecai told her the reason she was there was to save the people. That's why God placed her there. 
Esther, you're the intercessor to the king. You're the one that gets to go to the king. You're the one that God placed there to talk to the king. Esther, you're the mediator between those sentenced to death and the king. You say, what's a mediator? It's like this. Come here, son. Let's say that, that he is... That, that he's uh, the president or, or no, let's just say he is the judge and he's about, about to pass sentence on Cy. And I come in and I said, I want to explain something to you about what happened in this situation with Cy. And I stand between Cy and the judge and I am the mediator. I'm going to him. Cy is not saying a word. I'm talking to him. I'm trying to convince him to turn him free. That's a mediator. That's the one that comes between them. He said, listen, he said, you are a mediator. Esther, you're a mediator. You're standing between those which are the Jews that are sentenced to death. A decree of the Merds and, and, and the Medes and Persians, and, and it cannot be changed. It's been signed. It's been sealed. It's already been, the money's been put in the treasuries. They're going to die. And the only one that can come between their death and their life is you going to the king. You're the mediator. You know what? There was a sentence passed down over 6,000 years ago. The Bible says it's a point unto man once to die, but after this to judgment. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And there was a mediator that was needed. There was someone that needed to come. You see, the law of God said that, that man had failed him and that man had turned away from him, that man had sinned. And that, that covenant, that, that law of God cannot be changed. The law of God cannot be changed. But there was a mediator. His name's Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says, For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He intercedes for us. He mediates between us and the King of Kings, our Heavenly Father. Esther came to the King of Ahasuerus and on behalf of the Jews to spare their lives. And as I said, even the king couldn't change his decree. But as, as, as she came to him, she, she beckoned him, and, and, and we're not going to go into all that took place with Hanan and all that, but basically what she was, he, she was able to do, she came to him and she said, could you, could, you, uh, could you scrap that law that's on the books? Can you, uh, uh, can you uh, void it and, and, and take it away? He said, I can't change the law. They said, the law of the Medes and Persians is what it is. But we can write a new covenant. We can write a new decree. And she was able to mediate that new decree that the Jews could fight and that the king was behind the Jews. And they could kill anybody that hated them on those days. And the new decree was signed, sealed with the king's signet and sent out through all the providences. And people said, I'm not touching them. There were some that tried to rise up and kill them because they would still get paid. That money. But now, the king is on their side. The king has made a new decree. The, the old decree is still in effect. But a new decree has been sent. Jesus Christ came. The mediator. 
He brought a new covenant. And the king is behind the new covenant. The law still stands. We're all sinners. We're all doomed to a, a place called hell. But then we find a, the new decree, a new covenant that's been brought unto us. And in Hebrews 12, 24 says, and, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better than things than that of Abel. Otherwise, what he's saying is that Jesus Christ, his blood became the new covenant. And, and those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those who would receive him, those who, who realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, shed his precious blood and rose again on the third day, if they will trust him, if they'll ask him to forgive them of their sins and come into their heart and lives and save them, then they will be saved. And the King of Kings will be on their side. Didn't do away with the law. Jesus himself said, I come not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And the fulfilling of that was the perfect sacrifice for sin. The sinless, precious blood of the Son of God. My friend, we are here in such a time as this for the purpose and the plan and the use of our Heavenly Father. Let Him have His way in your life. But in order to do that, you first must receive Him as your Savior. If you was to die today, do you know that you'd go to heaven? If you can't say yes, I'll be standing down here in front with a Bible. You come to me, we'll take the Bible, we'll show you how that you can know by that new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're here for a purpose. We need that commitment again, folks. We need that commitment. When you get back to praying, we need a divine intervention. We need God again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Have your mercy on us, Lord, as a nation where we've drifted so far from you. Lord, I pray that you take control now even of this invitation. Lord, I believe it's a divine plan right now. There's, there's, there's a reason that we're here today. And Lord, it may be to stir our hearts to draw near to you, to glorify you, to lift you up. It may be to get some things set in order in our lives. It may be that there's some here today don't know Christ their Savior, don't know if they die today, they go to heaven, that they would get saved today. Lord, whatever it is, we're here for a reason. But when we walk out those doors, Lord, you have a reason, you have a plan for our lives a divine reason. Help us to follow that. For this I ask and pray in Jesus' name.